What we did learn, though, after watching these two press conferences, and again, in as many years, uh, was that the Broncos have gone from that like wide-eyed, I can't believe this is happening to me, first-year head coach, to like the alpha, been here, done that, let's get to work guy. And that in itself is refreshing, right, Brandon? It's the exact same reason why I think Jerry Rosberg felt so refreshing to Broncos fans over the final two weeks of the regular season. Takes on Sean Payton's introductory press conference with the Denver Broncos, as well as Jiro Ivaro leaving for a lateral move at defensive coordinator. And what are the Broncos' top team needs heading into the official start of free agency? All that coming up next and more. But first and foremost, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined on this off-season episode by Brandon Walker. Brandon is a contributing writer for USA Today's Broncos Wire. Brandon, welcome. It's great to have you on. Oh, thanks so much, Ryan. Uh, Glad to be here. Really excited and uh, excited to talk some Broncos. We've had a really exciting week. Yeah, we have. There's a lot to get to. And and John Heath, who's the usual co-host of this show with me, um, he's the boss, Brandon. And his plan for this week's podcast was for us to talk team needs for the Broncos heading into the start of free agency. I think that's a great topic. That's one fans are going to want to devour. John, who I'm sure is listening, uh, will not be surprised by this at all, though, because I want to go off script. I want to go off script here (laughs) and start the show uh, a little bit in a different way. And then we'll circle back to talk about like the offensive line that is in shambles and all that. Does that sound good to you, Brandon? Let's go for it. I'm excited to get into this. Okay, so let's go. So Sean Payton. First of all, held his introductory press conference. We got to cover this a little bit. So, Brandon, just right off the top, give me your your top takeaways from hearing Sean Payton address the media for the first time as a head coach of the Broncos. What stood out most to you? Obviously, the guy's been a head coach for a long, long time. He knows how to handle a press conference. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how blunt he was. Sometimes you hear these coaches and they'll go on for uh, – a couple minutes on a different topic, but he's really short, really to the point, really, uh, really focused on what this team needs. Yeah, he does. And it was, it just, the thing that stood out most to me was that it sounded so much different than the introductory press conference from a year ago at this time when the Thandel Hackett, when Hackett came out and really, he sounded like a 10 year old me, Brandon, Pulling a, a great aut- candy store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he felt like me at a training camp getting a really great autograph, like that excited. <laughs> like, and let's just like relive it. Here's Nathaniel Hackett when he was introduced by the Broncos. And with that, it's my pleasure to introduce the 18th head coach in Denver Broncos history, Nathaniel Hackett. Woo. How's everybody doing today? There you go. Um, look, I feel like this is a dream right now. I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable to be up here in front of everybody here. Um, it's like create my kids <laughs> just trying to got to keep my composure about me because this is this is truly unbelievable. Yes, Nathaniel, it was very unbelievable, especially <laughs> after especially after your first year on the job. And now let's just compare and contrast that with Sean Payton when he was introduced by Greg Penner this week. On behalf of the Walton Penner Family Ownership Group, it is my privilege and honor to welcome the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton. Um, First off, thank you, uh, Greg, for for that introduction. Um, Before I get started, there's some flashbacks um, for me in 
kind of starting over again. And, and that's what, what it feels like for me today. Uh, and so my first time in 2006 at this press conference, I had three pages of papers. My agent had put together pretty much everything I was going to read. Um, it was probably the most unimpressive press conference in, uh, in, in my 16 years in New Orleans. So I did the opposite. Um, there's no paper. Um, there's thoughts. Um, so I'll be a little more patient, but I think a little bit more engaging. Now, you're not going to learn everything from the intro presser, right? Like Nick Sirianni. Right. Great example of that. Nick Sirianni was ridiculed for his intro presser. It was bad. <laughs> he was reading off papers. It was a virtual thing during the COVID years, I believe. Now he's in the Super Bowl. So all those memes did not, uh, they did not like play out very well. They didn't age well. Yeah, they didn't age well. That's a great way to put it, Braden, right? Uh, what we did learn, though, after watching these two press conferences, and again, in as many years, uh, was that the Broncos have gone from that like wide-eyed, I can't believe this is happening to me, first-year head coach, to like the alpha, been here, done that, let's get to work guy. And that in itself is refreshing, right, Brandon? It's the exact same reason why I think Jerry Rosberg felt so refreshing to Broncos fans over the final two weeks of the regular season. You know, and I feel like that's what the Broncos have really been looking for, is that composed leader who, like you said, it doesn't look like the wide-eyed kid. And it feels different. It, even just the feel is different from those two press conferences. You mentioned how in his first press conference, he was just, you know, nervous as could be, three pages of notes. And he just had a few notes and he answered every question in that calm, composed manner. Yeah, he did. So I have a few more pieces of sound that is it kind of illustrates the difference as well, because I agree with you. It's the aura of the two guys that that does feel so different. I think that's why uh, Broncos country, they're starting to they're going to allow themselves to be heard again, Brandon, right? They're kind of buying in again. They're getting excited. OK, it's a new year. We're turning over a new leaf. Uh, but this one's been circulating around social media for folks that might be listening that aren't all over Twitter or whatever and didn't hear this exchange. Um, here's Sean Payton on Russell Wilson and his personal entourage, including his own QB, uh, QB coach, I should say, that was allowed in the facility under Hackett. Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a personal coach, Jake Hughes, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Uh, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's foreign to me that that's not going to take place here i mean i I'm, I'm i'm unfamiliar with it but our staff will be here our players will be here and that'll be it so that kind of speaks to the directness you're talking about brandon right he didn't uh yeah he was right straight to the point not happening under my watch and i think that's something different from hackett to uh hackett to peyton where hackett's kind of where he's the new head coach where he's like okay i'm kind of new at this maybe allowing the store quarterback to bring in his own people. Um, how it was kind of in New England with uh, Brady and bringing in his own personal his trainer, his, yep. his own personal trainer. Exactly. And he allowed him to be here, be at his meetings and um, really kind of complete his, his regiment. And they sculpted his regiment according to how Brady's trainer wanted it. Here's the first thing Hackett did when he took the mic during Russell Wilson's intro press conference. So it just kind of it's it's just fun to play the two guys together. And I don't want to crap on Hackett too bad. Again, I know John Heath is probably shaking his head at me right now. He, he knows I love to do this. But here's here's the first thing Hackett did 
when he got on the mic during Russell Wilson's intro press conference with Denver last year. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Russell Wilson. Holy sh- um, Very exciting. What a freaking goofball. What a freaking goofball <laughs> hack it was. So that's just so different than Sean Payton being like, very direct, not happening to Hackett just being like, whoa, whoa, try not to swear on the mic being this right. like crazy fan. So I think Sean Payton, Brandon, he came across well, right, during the presser. Um, now, could have went up there and said anything and probably sounded more in control than Hackett did. But I think right. uh, overall, good day for Payton. And yeah. I, I feel like, like I said earlier, I feel like the fan base, Broncos country, is is they're starting to allow themselves to get hurt again. I think they're they're starting to buy in after this presser. Oh, if anyone says Broncos country, let's ride one more time. Um, so I may be one of the few Broncos fans that has tempered expectations for this for this season. Ooh, give it and to me. the past six years will do that to a man um, where we've had coaches from Gary Kubiak to Nathaniel Hackett and basically everyone in between. We've had defensive guys. We've had offensive guys. And we've had probably one of the best defensive minds in the game in Vic Fangio. We've had uh, a quarter, or a, an offensive coordinator who made Aaron Rodgers look like a star in the red zone but then completely flopped here in Denver. And the assistant head coach they brought in seemed to be better than the actual head coach that they brought in. So I feel like there are tempered expectations, at least in my mind, of Sean Payton and what this is going to look like. It's going to look like his system was in New Orleans, and I hope it plays like his system in New Orleans, except for the playoff losses. But I feel like I have tempered expectations coming into the season because of the past few years. All eyes are on the coaching staff, right? Peyton, is, he's starting to siphon coaches off that Saints uh, staff, I'm sure. I'm sure right. Saints fans are very happy with Sean Payton these days. You know, <laughs> he re- he retires. He says he's taking a break. His break lasts one year, and then he comes back, right. and he and he leaves. Now, he gets them a first-round pick, but he's also siphoning off coaches. One of the I think one of the notable ones that's on, in the reports right now is Zach uh, Streif, the offensive line coach, who I think, yeah. um, I think he was a good one. Uh, if you you know believe what New Orleans reporters are saying, and it, it sounds like O line is something that is going to be at top of mind for Peyton. They want to button that up. It was something that they were really good in front of Drew Brees, excellent in the run game with Alvin Kamara and, and Taysom Hill. You, you would imagine offensive line is where Peyton wants to start building it to start protecting Russell Wilson and and kind of start fixing him. <laughs> and Street feels like a, a step in the right direction getting him. We'll see who else he siphons off that staff, but I'm also looking at uh, defensive coordinator branded like the Broncos lost Ejiro at Evero, right? Uh, John and I talked about him last week. It was, we were talking about whether it's him or Vic Fangio. I guess I, I don't really care which one it was back then. The, both of them were in the rumor mill, uh, but it right. felt like Fangio would be super awkward. And Evero is just, I, I mean, he's an up and coming coach, uh, a young, rising young talent, it seems. He had an excellent season last year, helping the defense take a step forward from the Vic Fangio days, while his offense right. under Hackett and, and Russell Wilson was absolutely atrocious and pathetic. It did nothing but punt and never score, right? They couldn't even score 18 points in, in any of these games. <laughs> I mean, that, John had that great stat last year where they, they would have been like, what, 12-1 and one or something if they had scored 18 They'd have been points. a playoff team yeah. if they scored 19 points. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. 
So the Broncos lost Evero to the Panthers in a lateral move. He took the defensive coordinator job, so same role in Carolina. That feels like a miss. Now, I understand Sean Payton. He comes in. He's got clout. He's going to want to interview his own guys. He, I think he did talk with Evero or interview him. Maybe you could correct me on that, Brandon. I know he talked to him. But losing a, a rising young talent who did a great job considering the situation last year, and now he's leaving laterally, not even taking a head coach job. I, I get the process, but I, that feels like a miss. That feels like a, a miss by the Broncos and, and Peyton. I, I don't disagree with you because the Denver defense under Evero was incredible. We were a top five defense in the NFL. And losing Evero is a big one. And the fact that he went – I thought he was a shoo-in for the Arizona job and for a few of those other jobs out there. Maybe the Colts job, but I really felt like he had a chance to make – things better and be a really good option for Sean Payton. But now that he's gone, I have mixed feelings about it. I don't know who we're going to bring in. I know we just interviewed uh, Sean Desai, who is a uh, Vic Fangio disciple um, from Chicago. And he was with Seattle last year. So our defense is going to be fine no matter what. But losing Evero is a big, big hit. So I guess it makes sense because I know Vic Fangio is a Sean Payton guy. Uh, now Fangio is officially, he's officially with the Dolphins, right? So Yes. Okay, so he's officially with the Dolphins. So he basically said, no, thank you. I'm not coming back to Denver, which, again, would have been so freaking awkward. So thank God, Vic, you didn't do that. I, I would have loved for him to come <laughs> back, but my God, that would have been weird. Um, so obviously, he's in Miami. Fine. I think it's a miss. You know, I again, the Broncos defense was excellent last year. The players seemed to love him. Uh, so Evero has gone. If he took that head coach job at Arizona or something like that, Brandon, I'd be OK. Fine. That makes perfect sense. You he left for a head coach job. The lateral move right. bugs me. And it hurts more that like Fangio's in Miami. Brian Flores is off the table as well. Right. Brian Flores is a stud defensive coordinator. At the same time, even if Sean Desai becomes the, the pick. I think the Broncos are fine. I'm not worried about their defense. I really am not. Yeah. I'm not worried about the defense. I think in your list of Broncos top positional needs, Brandon, which we can get to now, I think defense is going to be down the list, right? I mean, maybe D-line oh, yeah. and inside linebacker. A lot of teams have those. You could probably rattle off 20 other teams that have D-line and inside <laughs> linebacker that they need. Uh, so so that's that. But let's let's get to, uh, you know, again, what John Heath wanted to be our, our, our main topic all along. We're getting to it. What are we, 20 minutes <laughs> in here? Uh Give us your top positional needs for the Broncos entering the start of free agency here. Now, once we get through all the coaching stuff, we get into March, free agency hits, Brandon. What would be your like? What would be your wish as a fan that the Broncos start uh, fixing right away? Oh, boy. Uh, obviously, I feel like offensive line is going to be on the top of everyone's list. 100%. On the top of everyone's wish list when it comes to the draft, when it comes to free agency. And... We had a terrible offensive line last year. We couldn't keep the quarterback upright. We couldn't give Russell Wilson enough time. We lost, how many was it? Three running backs to injury, and the most notable was Javante Williams. Oh, poor Javante. And I missed him the last half, even the whole season, because I think he got hurt week three. And that hurt uh, because we didn't have a run game after that. I mean – I won't mention uh, Fumble Fingers, Gordon. Um, <laughs> oh, we did plenty but, of that during the season. Don't worry. The listeners know all, how we feel about him, Brayden. It's fine. Oh, boy. Um, but 
offensive line is really going to be a huge position of need. And with Sean Payton bringing in his uh, supposedly great offensive line coach, I feel like he's going to be able to evaluate talent a little bit better than our old offensive line. What would you like to see him go first? Would you like to see him go tackle, interior? Um, I know that you know they could use a center as well. I feel like if they get a guard, an inside guy, that they might be really, really good. I know they Dalton Reisner is a is an off season addition, or he's going to be have to be a free agent that we'll have to resign, and I think we should resign him. He's been really steady for us, and he can play any position on the field, uh, on the offensive line. But I really feel like a guard and a right tackle are some of our biggest needs because a lot of those offensive linemen that we have, our first offensive linemen, have that center ability so they can shift along the line if injuries occur. Yeah, it's just it's just so important to shore up the O-line in front of Wilson. I, and I think, again, if if memory serves me right, uh, Drew Brees dominated in the Saint with the Saints based on that offensive line in front of him. He's a shorter quarterback, right, Brandon? He needs protection, right. uh, and I just feel like I feel like you nailed it. I think you know. I think you know the the top positional needs, whether you want to rank them guard, center, right tackle, or whatever. Um, what, however you want to rank those, I think offensive line those those key positions are going to be at top of list, top of mind, and I think that's where Sean Payton starts. He start he starts right in the trench in the trenches on the O line. Protecting Russell Wilson is going to be the key, right? Um, yes. You need before you can start, like you know, figuring out the problems with the offense and what was what, what Wilson was plagued by, you know, under Hackett in that system. You got to fix the protection. You got to fix the protection. Absolutely, I he think can't be, be running for his life every play. Yeah. No matter what playbook you have, that's not a winning strategy. A hundred percent. Okay, so we talked a lot about the defense. The defense was dominant last year. They're excellent. Um, and when you weigh how bad the offense was, it makes it even more impressive. Exactly. But what uh, What are your top needs on the defensive side of the ball, though, Brandon? I think one of the big needs, and maybe not, it's not even necessarily a need that we need to go out and address in free agency. It's re-signing in-house guys. Alex Singleton, I feel like we should really, really re-sign Alex Singleton, one of our top tacklers, a top tackler in the NFL. Um, and he was a huge part of the last part of the season when uh, some of the inside linebackers went down. And he just seemed to be in on every single play. And re-signing him, I feel like, needs to be a huge priority. Last season, uh, George Payton, the Broncos GM, re-signed his in-house guys. And he said that was one of his top priorities. And I feel like if he goes back to that strategy, I think it'll be really, really good if we re-sign a lot of those defensive guys who might be who might want to consider leaving in free agency. Yeah, and then maybe maybe double up it inside linebacker in the draft. Although I know a lot of teams pass on that. <laughs> you know, inside linebacker right. is a, one of those positional value things. And I know it seems like fans will go in, they'll do their mock drafts, they'll get all excited on draft weekend, <laughs> Brandon, rooting for an inside linebacker. I'm a Patriots fan. I did this last year. I was like, oh, we're going inside linebacker. We're going to get a good linebacker. We're so slow at linebacker. <laughs> we're going to get speed. We're going to be great. And how many linebackers does Belichick draft? Zero. Zero. We didn't draft any. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's a position fans get really geeked up and excited about in the draft and then it just doesn't happen and you just you bury your head in your hands and they start picking up like undrafted guys uh, and maybe some lesser known guys in free agency and you just hope that it works. But, uh, you know, I would love to see the Broncos get a little bit more depth 
and uh, a little bit more, you know, punch from that inside linebacker core because the edge, the edge is great. You know, their right. edge rushers are are amazing, uh, but they got to shore up the inside um, for sure at linebacker. And again, what what I think really needs to happen is that depth, like you said, depth was a problem at, in the secondary and at linebacker last year. So I feel like if we can pick up maybe a secondary guy, I mean, we started Jaquan McMillan in week week 18. So I feel like if we get a guy at cornerback, maybe in the later rounds of the draft or in free agency, I wouldn't be too sad about it. But inside linebacker, we could use some depth there. I'm not too ashamed to say I've never heard of Jaquan McMillan. Brandon, I have not, I not heard of him. He has not hey, come he, up in he, our He uh, batted a few passes down in week 18. Oh, so uh, I've got to mention Jaquan McMillan. Yeah, no, draft, at, I think he was a practice squad guy. Probably. Yeah. So I was too busy ranting <laughs> over Nathaniel Hackett and how much he sucked probably to, to oh, yeah. even talk Absolutely. about that. Uh, okay. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Javante Williams. You know, we're hoping that he comes back. He was just looking like such a stud talent, such a great find by the Broncos. Obviously, they drafted him high, but... Uh, how would you address the running back position? Would you go draft? Would you go free agency? They brought in a bunch of different running backs this season. It was kind of uh, a crapshoot, right? Latavius right. Murray, Chase Edmonds. I don't think I don't know if they found their long term guy there. Maybe Edmonds could stick around. But uh, what do you think? The te- should the team go and, and get more bodies at running back? Murray's on the wrong side of thirty. I mean, they might resign him as maybe kind of a third down back to. Javante Williams and maybe a red zone situational type back, but Murray's on the wrong side of 30. But I think that if we go out in the draft and get a a young running back uh, in the draft, I feel like that might really be a good idea for the Broncos to go all in on running back because this offense won't work without a run game. Yeah. And again, the saints, uh, the saints had a great running game under Peyton. Um, Taysom Hill. I'm still waiting for him to trade for Taysom Hill. I'm sure that'll happen eventually. I would love Taysom Hill to come. Here. I'm sure it's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to probably get him to an extension as well. Some crazy <laughs> weird extension with a bunch of void years. That's how Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis did it over there. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but the run game, Camara, uh, I mean, Latavius Murray, I think he played for the Saints at one point. So um, yeah, the run game is key. I, I would imagine the Broncos will go after a running back. Um, another question here is, you know, Russell Wilson uh, getting a little bit older, right? 34 years old. He was not healthy all year last year. He missed some time. Uh, Brett Rippon has been the, he, he has been the backup quarterback. Brandon, is it time for the Broncos to start developing someone else behind Wilson? Uh, it doesn't feel like Rippon's the guy. If, 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 right. if Russell Wilson went down for any extended time, the Broncos are probably screwed. Uh, so do you, what do you think they do at backup quarterback? Is that a need? I feel like it's a, it's a need that not everyone would recognize. Um, and with Rippon, he won a few games. I think he won two or three games, but he also has turned the ball over a lot when he's been in. And I think he's been around for three or four years here in Denver. So it might be time for, either ripping to have another backup quarterback competition like he did last year and have someone push him like uh, Josh Jake. Uh, what was his name? He started for the 49ers in the uh, jo- uh, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. That was his name. Um, 
So we had someone make it to a conference championship. There was a Bronco this year. <laughs> um, so sucked, Josh though, Johnson, Brandon, unfortunately, gave Johnson him a run was horrible. for his money. I'm sorry, I was gonna oh, say yeah, cool. Johnson. Johnson was horrible, though. Unfortunately, he sucked so bad. In that no, game. he sucked so bad. And I mean, anything below a third string quarterback, and you're probably gonna suck bad. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, <laughs> all right. There's, uh, I, I guess, like to sum this up. There's a lot of needs. There's a lot of positional needs for the Broncos, and I'm sure a lot of changes to the roster that Sean Payton and company are going to want to make. Uh, offensive line probably being um, number one first and foremost. Uh, what else sticks out to you, uh, Brandon? Maybe a position that people might not think of as much. We talked about backup quarterback, maybe punter, wide receiver, corner. Like, what else uh, sticks out to you here? Like, give me give me the final word on the on positional needs. I think one of the, and I think this needs to be a top or one of the top five priorities is a punter. Uh, top five priority for Denver. I mean, Corliss Waitman, and he, he was a cheap contract and we dipped, we ditched Sam Martin for a cheap contract in Corliss Waitman. And we got exactly what we paid for a cheap punter. And he was one of the worst in the league in, um, in distance. He was actually tied for the second lowest uh, punt for 56 yards. That was his longest punt, 56 yards. It's not great. And when we have a guy who's playing us, I remember, I think it was uh, week 16, week 15, when we played Kansas City and Tommy Townsend just boomed i think it was a 75 76 yard punt that is a game changer when you can change field position like that and i think it's an underestimated talent that maybe not everyone would look at but i feel like that is a huge position of need because you can flip the field and really give your defense a good starting uh point to give your offense another chance but when the offense, the opposing offense starts at the other team's 40, you're kind of up against the wall already. Yeah, I'd love that. I think the Broncos should definitely uh, draft a punter, Brandon, because uh, they punted so much last year. They actually led the league in punts. <laughs> yeah. They had 96 punts. That and was he wasn't most... good. No. And he wasn't good at it. So the punter sucked, and they led the league in punts. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so that's not great. So hopefully the Broncos are punting less this year under Sean Payton. But uh, yeah, uh, somebody who could actually punt the ball with some consistency uh, would would definitely help. So what do you think, Brandon? Was it like going to the dentist or did you have fun? This is, uh, it was great to have you on the podcast, man. I appreciate the knowledge. I would love to do this again. I'm, uh, I'm excited for this season. I have tempered expectations, but uh, I'm grateful to be on here. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, it was great to have you. For Brandon Walker, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the pod. We'll catch you later this offseason. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.